Have you ever set a goal for yourself that, you know, feels pretty reasonable? Like, you know, I think I should be able to do this. Maybe it's your plan for meals for the week, or I know I'm going to walk on the treadmill 30 minutes every day. And you're like, that's not too much to ask. I should totally be able to get this done. And then the week rolls around and maybe you got on the treadmill on day one, maybe day two, but day three, something got in the way or the plans you made for your meals for the week. And by Tuesday, you're thinking, I have no interest in eating what I planned. And then when you can't meet your goals for what felt like you should be able to do, you feel like a failure and you ask yourself something like, why can't I just do this simple thing? What is wrong with me? And you give up and you head for the ice cream. Yep, today we're talking about the expectations we set for ourselves and how we accidentally set ourselves up for failure with some sneaky perfectionist thinking and how to get around that with a simple tool that allows you to be imperfect and still make progress. Who's ready to be imperfect and make progress too, right? What could be better? Ready to get after it? Yeah, let's go. Do you ever feel like you know all the diet rules about eat this, but not that, and so you know what to do, but you just have a hard time actually doing it? I'm here to tell you, you are not the problem. Hi, I'm Lizzie. Welcome to the Confident Body Podcast, where we talk about all the mental and emotional parts of weight loss that diets don't tell you. It's time to step past the shame and the guilt from old diets and stop feeling like you're waiting to lose weight in order to fully participate in life. If you're ready to drop the diet mindset and learn what it takes to truly feel happy and confident in your own skin, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Thank you so much for being here today. I am so grateful that you are here and listening. And today we're talking about goals and expectations that we set for ourselves. So I'm going to start with a quick story. Um, I wanted to start the practice of meditation, basically Long story short, I had a professional experience where I let the uh, pressure and the work and the um, expectations I was putting on myself, I let that get to me. And even as a relatively healthy, early 40s something gal, I ended up in the doctor's office with heart palpitations and high blood pressure. And I was like, this doesn't seem right. Something's not working here. And so I was like, I need to chill out. I, I need I need something else. And so I, I tried to start a meditation, a meditation practice. There we go, English. And you know, it doesn't seem that hard, right? Meditation. You sit down and you sit, and that's what you do. Like I can do that, right? Not that hard. Well, it didn't work out that way. I would set intentions of like I'm going to meditate today, and you know, lo and behold, it didn't happen. So I realized, okay, I need to adjust this a little bit. Maybe I need to set a specific time of day that I'm going to meditate. And so I realized that I needed to kind of bundle it with something that already happened regularly in my day. So I realized that, you know, first thing in the morning is actually not my ideal time to meditate because lots of stuff's going on. Kids are getting ready for school. But I typically had a window of time between about 830 and nine when the kids were off to school and before I, you know, officially started work. So I was like, okay, this is my time to meditate. It's going to be great. And still, like I would meditate for a couple weeks, maybe a couple days in a row. And then the weekend came along, the kids didn't go to school. And suddenly like 830 to nine was like, such a different experience. Because I didn't have my regular routine, I didn't have the scaffold of the daily routine to set me up to help me do my my meditation practice, which in my mind should be really easy. And so I felt like a complete failure. Like, how hard is it 
to sit my fanny down in a chair and sit and breathe. Well, apparently it was pretty hard. We do this all the time with all kinds of different goals. Uh, I've had clients uh, talking to me about this when it comes to exercise. Uh, that frequently happens with exercise. Let's say, you know, if you're trying to get in some walking or some movement, we make these big goals for ourselves that don't feel that big. We have this expectation of I should be able to walk for 30 minutes. Or maybe it's around you're trying to adjust your snacking habit. And you're like, I'm going to I'm going to level up my snacks. I'm going to make them much healthier. I'm going to have an apple and peanut butter this afternoon. And lo and behold, on you know Wednesday afternoon, it turns out we want the chips and we're suddenly looking at an empty bag thinking, what just happened? Or maybe you're trying to make a meal plan and you put things in my fitness pal. I know I'm going to calculate the calories. I'm going to plan it all out. It's going to be great. And then as soon as you go off your plan and you're, you know, 23 calories over your plan, you're like, well, screw it. Everything's ruined, right? Listen, it's not your fault. You are not broken. Here's why this happens. So diets set us up for this kind of thinking. They give us these rules to follow. You just follow these simple steps, but they don't give us any guidelines for what to do when we veer away from their rules. They just say, follow the rules. Well, that doesn't give us any, again, any guidelines or any direction for what happens when life goes imperfectly. And let me ask you, how often does life go imperfectly? I don't know about you, but for me, it's a pretty regular experience. But diets lend us to think towards perfectionist thinking. I have to be perfect. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. But then if I don't get it wrong, if I don't get it right, then I'm the problem. And again, diets, they make it seem so simple. Just do these things easy and you'll lose weight. But they don't give us any guidance for emotional eating, urges, uh, again, like vacations when, when life is imperfect. And so because the rules seem really simple, we feel like I must be the, the idiot that can't follow these simple rules. And that kind of puts us in this constant fear of making a mistake. On a diet, a mistake is the worst thing that can happen because then all is lost. I have to start over from scratch. Cue the dramatic music in the background of our brains. And so Diets make us feel like I want to do it right or not at all. And when inevitably life goes imperfectly and we make a mistake, then we feel like we're the problem and the shame spiral begins. I'm feeling bad because I chose the chips instead of the apple and peanut butter. And our brains, as we know, like to seek pleasure and avoid pain. And feeling bad about choosing the chips is something that the brain wants to avoid. And what's a great way to avoid that pain? some food, ideally high in sugar, salt, and fat, because then we can avoid that shame feeling. And it works for a little bit, but then we're stuck with not just the original pain, but now we've got also an empty bag of chips and additional pain on top of it. And so it's this like shame spiral. You end up at the bottom of the whirlpool feeling like I I just, I can't, I'm stuck. I don't even know where to begin to get back on track. This also plays into our brain's natural fear of failure. What does it mean about me if I fail? And so we make the, you know, a diet and we are messing up on our diet. We make it mean this lousy story about ourselves and lousy stories feel bad and feeling bad because of the shame spiral we're putting ourselves through leads to ice cream and the bottom of a jar of peanut butter. Diets work 
on perfect days. Life is rarely made up of perfect days. So if perfection is your expectation, that's your floor. It's really hard to improve from there. You either meet your expectations or you're disappointed. And disappointment is not a feeling that stirs motivation for action. Disappointment is a feeling that leads to more peanut butter, more ice cream. It doesn't give us the opportunity to feel like you're making progress. And when you feel like you're making progress, that is the fuel that fires the engine of motivation. There are scientific studies about this. There's an entire book called The Progress Principle by Teresa Amiable. It shows that human beings are motivated more by progress than by actually achieving the goals. And so perfectionist thinking doesn't allow you to feel progress. And so it leads to a motivation crash. And it's only being focused on the result, not the process. So what do we do about this? How do we fix our expectation setting trap that we've that diets have set us up for? So you've got to feel like you're winning. You've got to give yourself the chance to feel like you're making progress because progress fuels motivation. Put that on a bumper sticker. Put that like in lipstick on your mirror. Progress fuels motivation. If I want any hope of persevering long enough to achieve my goals, then I have got to allow myself to feel progress, feel like I'm winning along the way. So how do you feel like you're making progress? Well, you've got to give yourself the best possible chance to feel like you're making progress, even on imperfect days, which means you need to allow yourself to feel good about imperfect progress. Let me say that again. You need to allow yourself to feel good about imperfect progress. That means we're aiming for a C plus. Okay, 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 fine. You aim for the B minus, that's fine. But no A pluses here, people. We are aiming for the B minus, the C plus. Why? Because life is rarely perfect. Life is predictably unpredictable. And so if you're planning for perfect days, you're setting yourself up for failure because Life is going to throw roadblocks in your way, and it's going to make it very difficult to meet your perfect expectations. So plan for the imperfect day. As much as I say on this podcast, it's important to focus on the actions and the process than it is to only focus on the results. I mean, let's be real. We're in this because of results, right? So let's, let's talk about that. The way in which you get the results you're after is the most important thing because The way you get your results is how you keep your results. So if you shame and loathe and beat yourself up down the scale, that's what you're going to need to do to stay there. If, however, you make imperfect progress along the way and celebrate your wins along the way and make tiny changes that feel doable, that you can see yourself still doing five years from now, that's what it's going to take to stay when you get down to the number that you want on the scale. The process truly is more important than the result. Because if you want to enjoy the result and keep the result, you're going to have to keep doing that process over and over again. Life is rarely perfect. All or nothing thinking assumes your day will go perfectly. Instead, plan for life not to go perfectly. So what does this look like in reality? I want you to create your goals on a spectrum. So I've got on one end, when life goes perfectly, that's what I'd like to achieve. 
And on the other end, when life really did not go perfectly, I would still be proud of myself for doing a little bit. And what does a little bit look like? So you've got your goal on a spectrum. On my perfect day, I will strive to walk for 30 minutes on the treadmill. But when life doesn't perfectly go to plan, I'll be happy that I at least stood up and sat down from my chair five times in a row. At least I did something and that still feels like a win. That's obviously just an example. So what is the smallest thing you can think of in relation to your goal, whether it's getting into movement, whether you're trying to meditate, whether you're making your meal plans, whatever it is, what is the smallest thing you can do that still feels like, at least I'm doing something. Like I feel like today wasn't a total loss because at least I sat and meditated for one minute. At least I made a plan for snacks that felt doable. So here's some examples. Let's say you're trying to make a plan. On one end of the spectrum, I wanna make a meal plan every day. That's when life goes perfectly. On the other end of the spectrum, when life does not go perfectly, I know that snack time is my vulnerable time, so I'm gonna at least make a plan for snacks. Dinner might be a free-for-all, but at least I made a plan for my snack. Let's say you're practicing allowing your urges. On my perfect days, I'm gonna allow urges in the afternoon between lunch and dinner, every day. Well, that's great, and if life goes perfectly, rock out, go for it. But if life doesn't go perfectly, I will still be happy it with and proud of myself if I visualized leaning into an urge when I was having coffee in the morning. Let's say you're trying to exercise. We've talked about this already. If my goal is I'm trying to walk 30 minutes every day, if you have a perfect week and you get in 30 minutes every day, amazing, high five. But if you have a day that doesn't quite go to plan, what would you be happy with? At least I walked for two minutes. At least I got outside and went to the mailbox and back. Let's say you're aiming to reduce sweets. On my perfect days, my perfect week, I'm only having dessert twice a week. But let's say your week doesn't quite go the way you plan. How about I'll still be happy with, okay, I had dessert every day, but I improved the quality of my dessert. Give yourself the gift of wiggle room. I swear, I'm having really a hard time with English words these days lately. Give yourself the gift of wiggle room. Say that five times fast. Wiggle room with the expectations of yourself. When you create a goal, you give yourself a top end that you're striving for and a lower end that you would still be happy with on days that life doesn't quite go to plan. Why? Because that gives you the opportunity to feel like you're still making progress even when life is imperfect. And that is so important. Don't see mistakes as something to fear. Expect mistakes to happen. They're coming. You can expect it. So don't be afraid of it. See those mistakes as stepping stones, as opportunities. And also keep track of your progress on those days when you nailed your plan and those days when you were just doing a little bit that made you feel like at least I did something. Why? Because your brain naturally is going to want to discount all that you've done. We have a negativity bias. It's going to say, this is never going to work. This is a terrible idea. I might as well quit. Prove it wrong with data. And you keep data by keeping track of your progress. I did this when I was writing my book. That keeping track of progress was finally what helped me create a meditation habit. I realized not only did I need to put it at a consistent time of my day, but I needed a physical piece of paper taped up on the wall next to my desk where I could color in the little box of the day that I actually meditated. 
And, you know, okay, some of us are type A here, people. I didn't want to have an empty box. I'm like, oh, dang, it's 530. I haven't meditated yet today. I'm going to go get in two minutes because I wanted to color in that box. And on the days when I wanted to say, this is stupid, it's not working, I might as well give up. I had a whole row of days in the row where I had meditated. I was like, well, maybe I could keep going. I am making progress. Being imperfect consistently is better than being perfect once and then giving up. So here is our tiny one confident body action step to put into practice this week. I want you to choose one goal that you're focusing on. Just one. Why just one? Because it helps your brain to focus on only one. So you've got that goal in your mind. What would you like to accomplish? So this is like an action step. I'm working on meditation. I'm working on making my meal plans. I'm working on adjusting dessert in the evening. Just one. Okay, next, what is the minimum thing you could do that would help you feel like, well, at least I did something. And by the way, mental reps count. Even if you just visualize having a healthier dessert, even if you just visualize walking down to the mailbox and back, it still counts. The brain does not necessarily distinguish the difference between a mental rep and an actual rep. So make it small. It's okay if it feels like that's not going to be good enough. That means you're doing it right because on days when life is not perfect, your perfect ideal is unattainable, but striving for imperfect is attainable. If this has resonated with you at all, there's an entire section of my book about changing your habits and making habit change easier. So if you've ever found yourself struggling to stick to a goal, then please check out my book called You Are a Miracle on Amazon. And if you would happen to write a review for this episode or for this podcast, that would be amazing. It might help somebody else find the podcast and help them feel like maybe they're not alone. Maybe they're not the problem. And remember, love yourself. Because little changes lay the solid foundation that the life you're moving towards is built on. Allow a little bit to be enough. All right, that's what I've got for you today. I'll see you next time. so much for listening today. Seriously, I know it's not a small thing and I genuinely appreciate it and I hope it helped you. Make sure you head on over to confidentbody.coach tips and sign up for my seven top tips for little shifts that create big results so that you can start feeling confident in your body right now. I will see you next week. And until then, remember, you are a miracle.